Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Plum Crit 101. As always, I'm Dr. J, your friendly neighborhood intensivist. So the other day, I polled all of you, you know, what topic would you like to hear on the next episode of the podcast? And the overwhelming majority seemed to want to hear about ARDS, or Acute Respiratory Distress Syndrome. And I think this is a great topic to talk about because I can guarantee you every single one of you at some point in your career, if you have not already, will see an ARDS patient. It's a very common reason for why our patients end up in the ICU. And if you all have worked through the COVID pandemic, you'll remember that was the majority of what we saw. So today we'll do a brief uh, overview of how we diagnose ARDS, some common causes, the pathophys, and then we'll spend the majority of time talking about the treatment of ARDS, really how, where and how we make the impact on our ARDS patients. So when we talk about diagnosing ARDS, um, you guys probably have heard the Berlin criteria tossed around. It's actually interesting. The definition of ARDS was actually really first uh, came up with in the 60s. And at that time, they called it, or they defined it as an acute inflammatory syndrome that manifested as diffuse pulmonary edema and respiratory failure. Years later in the 90s is when the Berlin criteria came around and where we actually start to develop a defined set of criteria to help us distinguish ARDS from other concepts. So let's go over what those criteria are. First, the timeline has to be right. You have to give it about a week for symptoms to develop. You have to have a pulmonary edema, but the key thing here to remember is that it is a non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema. I'll repeat it for those of you in the back. It is a non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema. Your imaging should show your very classic bilateral fluffy infiltrates. And then the one key point that you all probably have heard of is that PaO2 to FaO2 ratio. To say that you've got someone in ARDS, that ratio should be less than 300. And we can delineate that a little bit further by breaking it down and saying that if that ratio is less than 100, you've got someone in severe ARDS, less than 200, moderate ARDS, and less than 300 ARDS, but mild ARDS. Now, when the criteria first came out, they also included the wedge pressure in uh, the Berlin criteria. The wedge pressure should have been normal. But remember, that was a time when swans and your PA catheters were standard, and that's just not really the case anymore. So that's not really part of our definition. So Berlin criteria is pretty standard. And next, I want to just briefly review the pathophys of ARDS. So when we talk about ARDS, you have an initial insult, whether it's sepsis, um, commonly we'll see pancreatitis being a cause, burns, um, someone who had a drowning uh, injury. There's lots of different causes for ARDS, but you have this initial insult. And what happens is after that initial insult, alveoli that were previously healthy, healthy become damaged. Okay, This is the exudative phase. And if you look under a microscope during this phase, you're going to see that classic histopath finding of diffuse alveolar damage. Remember that. That's definitely a buzzword that may show up on an exam, diffuse alveolar damage. After that happens, your interstitial fibroblasts are just going to get way out of control and proliferate, hence the proliferative phase. This is then followed by interstitial and intraalveolar fibrosis, otherwise known as the fibrotic phase. And this phase, unfortunately, is the last phase of the disease process. And at this point, clinically, your patient is usually maxed out on all possible therapies and is probably not doing very well. All right, 
So now that we've covered some of the basics, I want to get to the meat of the discussion, which is how do we manage someone who's an ARDS? You define that they are an ARDS, you figured out what their initial insult is. We can say sepsis, for example, as that's a pretty common cause. And now you got to figure out how do I manage these patients? So tons of studies have been done on ARDS. And what they have found is that really the key cornerstone management of ARDS is going to be with the ventilator. And more specifically, the concepts of low tidal volume ventilation and high PEEP or your positive end expiratory pressure. So how did they come up with those ideas? When they did the initial trials, what they thought at first was, well, if my alveoli aren't working, why don't I provide higher tidal volumes to my patients to open up those alveoli and increase their oxygenation? That should fix the problem, right? So while it did increase the oxygenation at those high tidal volumes, it was at the expense of damage to the lung, barotrauma and volutrauma. So what they found, the other interesting thing that they found was that there's a concept of baby lung in ARDS. And what that really means is that people who have ARDS, the amount of adult lung that is actually functioning, that has appropriate oxygenation, is in fact equivalent to the size of a functioning lung of a five-year-old child. I mean, that just blows my mind. Someone, one of your ARDS patients who's laying there on the vent, the amount of lung that is actually working is the same size as what a five-year-old child has. That's nothing. Okay, so it's really important that we find the sweet spot. How do we maximize our tools? How do we maximize the ventilator in order to get the most out of it without causing any trauma or causing the least amount of trauma? So that's where low tidal volume ventilation came into play. And what was found was that when you target a tidal volume of six to eight mils per kg of ideal body weight, along with that high PEEP strategy, you could maximize oxygenation but you could cause the least amount of trauma. Now, another interesting concept that's been developed in recent years about ARDS is that not every part of the lung is affected in the same way. For example, you could have one part of the lung that's working great, no issues, the alveoli are functioning fine. And you have another part of the lung where your alveoli are not working at all. So that was another reason for why it was so important that low tidal volume ventilation came into play. Because again, you want to cause the least amount of trauma and you want to maximize your oxygenation. The ARDSNET trial is really what put it all together. And this is a landmark trial, one that everyone should know. They not only uh, summarize low tidal volume ventilation and the high PEEP and FiO2 concepts, which we'll get into in a little bit, but they also had a few other targets that we need to talk about. One of which is a target goal PaO2 of 55 to 80, and the concept of permissive hypercapnia up to a pH of 7.2. So let's talk about these one by one. When we talk about the goal PaO2 of 55 to 80, we have to remember in our ARDS patients, we are not trying to reach for the stars. When we vent our ARDS patients, we are venting them with the intention of giving them the time to heal, okay? So all we are trying to achieve is a level of oxygenation that allows the body to function. So 55 to 80 is perfectly fine. So if you have a PaO2 of 60, 
hey, I'm happy with that. And that's equivalent to your SATs. When what I mean by that is I'm not trying to achieve a SAT of 100. A SAT of 90 is perfectly fine. And in our COVID patients, when we were dealing with issues with the number of ventilators that were available, we were sometimes even tolerating a SAT of 88 or 89. As far as permissive hypercapnia goes, this concept is important to understand because when you think about low tidal volume ventilation, if you're giving someone a lower tidal volume than what is normally expected, you are going to expect some hypercapnia. So we have to allow for that hypercapnia in order to cause that least amount of trauma. So when we talk about permissive hypercapnia, we don't look at the CO2 level. So your CO2 could be up in the 80s. We focus on the pH. So as long as the pH doesn't drop below 7.2, and that's the number that I personally use, I really don't mind what CO2 level I'm at, okay? So the next point that we have to think about is, well, okay, I have my ARDS patient on the vent. I'm doing low tidal volume ventilation. I have a little bit of permissive hypercapnia. I've achieved my goal PaO2. I think my patient's getting better. What do I do with the FiO2 and the PEEP? How do I handle it? Do it? How do I wean it down? Or what do I do if they're getting worse? So let's talk about each situation one by one. So, for example, say you've got your ARDS patient, you put them on the vent. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to pump their FiO2 up to 100, start their PEEP off at 5, and you're going to get that initial blood gas. If you're not meeting that target goal of PaO2 of 55 to 80, you're going to start increasing your PEEP. Remember, you got to be careful though, you don't want to develop any auto peeping, especially if they have a concomitant obstructive lung disease like COPD. The other thing to watch out for as you go up on your PEEP is the development of a pneumo, okay? So just keep an eye out for those two possible side effects. So you're going to slowly keep going up on your PEEP until you hit that target PAO2, remember that goal of 55 to 80. Now say you've been there, your patient's overall doing better, and you think you're ready to start weaning. There's a couple different ways to go about it. The ARDSNET trial developed PEEP FIO2 tables, high PEEP, low PEEP. Another way to go about it is to look at the PF ratio. So that's that PAO2 FIO2 ratio and wean down FIO2 and PEEP at the same time. Or you can take the approach that I use, which is I look at it as the PEEP is what I added a second to improve my oxygenation. Plus, there's such a thing as over-oxygenation and the free radical toxicity. So I start weaning the FiO2 down, and I keep going down in increments of usually around 10 until I hit about 50 or so, provided that I've stayed within my target PaO2 goal of 55 to 80. Once I get my FiO2 around 50 or even 40, that is when I start weaning down the PEEP. Again, provided I'm staying within my PaO2 goal of 55 to 80. For those of you who are just starting to work with ARDS patients, I would recommend checking a blood gas each time you make a change. If for those of you who are much more comfortable, going by the SAT is perfectly fine and achieving that SAT of 90 and above. All of these are just different ways to get to the same goal. It all depends on whichever one you're most comfortable with. Now, let's talk about some other adjunctive therapies for ARDS patients outside of the ventilator. One really popular one that I'm sure you all have heard of, especially in uh, the age of COVID, is proning and paralyzing. 
So proning is actually a really interesting concept and the Proceva trial done some years ago was actually one of the few trials studying ARDS patients that showed a mortality benefit. And what they did was they proned the patient for 16 hours and kept them supine for eight hours. And they found that as far as the mortality goes, that there was a huge benefit. So in our ARDS patients, we prone if we're not meeting our goal PAO2. And honestly, I'll tell you, even if we are, sometimes it's worth it to just flip the patients over. It really does make a difference. And I always tell everyone, it's never too late or too early to prone our ARDS patients, provided you have appropriate access and the appropriate staff to safely flip the patient. Now, what's interesting is the concept of paralytics in ARDS. So you had the trial, initial trial called the Accuracy trial, which to summarize said that, you know, all ARDS patients would benefit from being paralyzed and that there's actually more mortality benefit. The Rose trial some years later disproved this. But what we have found is that with paralytics, we do see an improvement with ventilator dyssynchrony and ventilator dyssynchrony can impact these patients' clinical course. Now, not every prone patient needs to be paralyzed. If you have sedated them deeply enough, that should be sufficient. So generally how I approach things is I vent my patient, I work on the FAO2 and PEEP, and if I find that my PEEP is increasing and I'm not achieving my goal PAO2 of 55 to 80, then I plan on proning them, plus or minus paralyzing them. If I'm seeing a lot of ventilator dyssynchrony, I'll add the paralytic. Now remember, it's very important to have a stop time on your paralytic. And why is that important? Because there's a concept of critical illness myopathy, which is not really talked about much and we should talk about it more. Our patients in the ICU are very, very sick and the ones that are paralyzed even more so. And when they get better and they get out of the ICU, they are left with a profound myopathy that affects their overall course for days and weeks and months to come. So we always try to have a stop time on these paralytics. At our institution, we have a 48-hour stop time where we review, do we need to continue paralyzing the patient? So we've talked about ventilator management. We've talked about proning the patient, paralyzing them. Are there any adjunctive therapies? Yeah, there's a few other things. Diuresis, vasodilator therapy. Neither of those have a mortality benefit, but we do like to keep our ARDS patients on the drier side. And vasodilator therapy is helpful. I wouldn't say helpful, actually, but it's something that we use in end-stage disease to help with offloading the right side of the heart. And anecdotally, for me, whether it works or not, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't bet on it. But it's something that I use when I really have nothing else uh, to help the patient. Now, the big question, as I'm sure you're all wondering, what do we do about steroids? I'll tell you this. As a pulmonologist, I'm required to love steroids. But seriously, there's actually a new role for steroids in ARDS. Traditionally, they didn't really have any benefit and were only added if the patient had another reason to be on them. For example, like a COPD exacerbation. But the latest trial, which I'm sure you're all well aware of, the DEXA ARDS trial that was done in 2020 uh, during the height of COVID actually gave us some new information. The trial done in Spain, and what they did was they took patients with mild to moderate ARDS, not specifically COVID patients, and they put them on Decadron IV, 20 milligrams daily for five days, followed by 10 milligrams daily for five days, 
And what they found was that there was a significant increase in the number of event-free days, as well as a mortality benefit. Now here's the catch. Majority of these patients weren't proned. So we don't have official data on the impact proning would make on uh, starting steroids in these patients. Also, the other thing is each site only recruited about three patients on average each year. So there's definitely some potential for selection bias. I will tell you anecdotally at our institution, we had definitely seen improvements using DEXA-ARDS in our COVID patients. And remember, COVID-ARDS is a whole nother ballgame, which we'll talk about another time. But you also have to think about the fact that many of us were proning early with our COVID patients, even having them self-prone prior to getting intubated. So that could have impacted things just as much. ARDS is a concept that is constantly evolving and research is being done all the time to figure out what is the best way to manage uh, this potentially fateful, fateful uh, disease. Uh, a couple other concepts that we haven't really touched on, but I will briefly talk about. One is called driving pressure. There's constantly uh, research going on about how do we find that sweet spot for ventilator management in ARDS. And driving pressure uses the concept of putting the tidal volume against the rest compliance of the respiratory system. And what it really equates to is taking your plateau pressure and your PEEP and looking at the difference. And you want to achieve a goal of 12 to 15. Overall, ARDS is a fascinating concept. It's one that I'll tell you this 15-minute podcast is just touching the tip of the iceberg. But I hope that I gave you guys a really good overview and some thoughts about how we manage our ARDS patient. Every ARDS patient is different. There's no, just how they say that there's no one same uh, snowflake that's just like another. The same thing is with our ARDS patients. And I really strongly encourage you guys to use what we've talked about today as a basis and then to tweak things as you see fit. I promise you proning will never hurt. Low tidal volume ventilation won't hurt either. We, in fact, we extrapolate that to some of our non-ARDS patients. And high PEEP helps too within reason. I hope that this was uh, beneficial for you all. And uh, our next episode is actually going to be a special episode. I'm going to have a guest on uh, who's going to give us some real world insight on the world of home crit and how things have changed over the years. Uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at poemcrit101. And if anyone has any other further questions or comments, I can also be emailed at poemcrit101 at gmail.com. See you next time.